Well, good evening and welcome back to our pastor's class here at Hickory Grove. So good to have you join us as we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Now, we've been in this study for several weeks, so we find ourselves tonight turning to the final chapter of this great sermon, Matthew chapter 7. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to take it and turn with me to chapter 7. And this evening, I'd like to begin by reading verses 1 through 5. Let me read verses 1 through 5, ask the Lord to help us, and then we'll, we'll unpack it just for the next few moments together. Matthew, 5, beginning, Matthew 7, I should say, beginning in verse 1, Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, why do you see the speck? that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Would you join me now as we pray? Father in heaven, I ask that you would come and that you would take your word and that you would apply it to the hearts of your people. Father, would you use me, use me in spite of me, as a means to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a few verses in all the Bible more known and misinterpreted than this first verse in chapter 7. Who amongst us has not heard somebody say, don't judge me? And then probably followed it up with something along the lines of, didn't Jesus say, don't judge each other? It's so common to hear people think that Jesus' injunction, judge not, that you be not judged, as found in Matthew 7.1, it's so common for people to hear that and therefore conclude, okay, well, I guess that means that we should never judge in any way, shape, or form. There should be this sort of don't judge me permissive spirit amongst Christians where you kind of just do what you want. Which of course, if you know the Lord and you know His Word, you know that doesn't ring true. That, that doesn't make sense. One principle of interpreting the Bible is when you're confronted with a text that just doesn't seem to make sense on its initial reading with the rest of the Bible, well, that should be a red flag to you because we believe that the Bible does not contradict itself, that there is an internal consistency, a coherence to all the teaching in the Bible. Not to mention Jesus, we would surely believe, is consistent, coherent in what he teaches. So, so when you read a, a verse like verse 1 and you hear Jesus say, don't judge, it wouldn't be right to therefore conclude, don't ever be critical of anything else. It, it wouldn't be right to therefore conclude everybody should be able to do what's right in their own eyes. It wouldn't be right to therefore conclude, okay, well, I guess as a Christian, we should never make judgment calls about anything lest we be judged. Well, that's not the testimony of the Bible. From the very beginning, the Bible is very clear that there is right and there is wrong. There is law and there is transgressing the law. Jesus in his own ministry is very clear, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. He, he's very clear 
that there are right things and wrong things. Moreover, Jesus himself is critical of those who do not honor and follow his right teaching. Just consider Jesus' strong words for the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. Just consider Jesus' words about King Herod. He calls him a fox. Just consider all these men recorded in the Bible who have strong words for those who fall short of God's standard, of God's law. Surely, 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 the import of Matthew 7 is not you should never make a judgment call about anybody. Indeed, my argument tonight that is substantiated by the scripture, is that when Jesus says, judge not, these immortal words are not a call to never judge. They are rather a call on how not to judge. In other words, what Jesus is doing is he is not speaking about merely the act of making a judgment call. Jesus is in particular telling us how we would rightly make a judgment call. He is saying, be careful, in other words, how you judge. For when you do, you are liable to, well, all the things I want to show you in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Indeed, we're going to see at least three different ways, or three different reasons, I should say, why we must take carefully uh, the call to judge. We must take very seriously how we as believers make judgment calls on one another. I want you to see that when Jesus says judge not, he is in essence saying judge very carefully for when you make a judgment call, beware. There are three things that can start happening in your life, three species of being judgmental that you need to be aware of. So if you're taking notes, mark these down. Number one, we see in verses one and two of chapter seven that judgmentalism, which I think is a good way to describe this negative connotation of judging. It's an attitude of judgment. He's saying, number one, judgmentalism, well, it's really detrimental. So look with me, if you will, at verse 1. He says, don't judge that you be not judged. In other words, be careful about judging somebody because that same logic, that same standard you're applying to others is going to be rightly, justly applied to you. And he he clarifies in verse 2 where he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, It's going to be measured to you. Jesus is saying, beware. Judging others is detrimental if you don't take seriously the standard by which you are judging another. In other words, be careful. You are not God. God is the judge. We are his sheep. If you attempt to sit in the throne of God and cast judgment, beware, because the standard by which you are holding others, you too will be held. So, lest you misunderstand, let's take a step back together and consider this. What Jesus is really getting to, at, underneath this, at the heart of it, is Jesus is reminding us 
that we will one day stand before the great judge simply, solely, by grace alone. It is grace that will justify me before the great judge one day. The only thing I will be able to plead in my empty hands is the blood of Jesus. In other words, I am deeply humbled before His throne of grace and I will stand there one day pleading Jesus and Jesus alone. But I am a wicked sinner. I am a fleshly man. I am prone to think more highly of myself than I ought. And one fruit of that pride is this foolish behavior I am prone to, and I wonder how many of you might be as well this evening, prone to judge others by my own standard, to think that other folks ought to live in light of my own personal ethic, to cast an eye at those who aren't living the way I'm living. This is the judgmental spirit that Jesus is referring to in Matthew 7 verses 1 and 2. This is the spirit in which Jesus says, Beware, judge not, lest you be judged. First off, mark it down, judgmentalism, it's detrimental. Remember the grace God's had on you. Number two, mark this down, judgmentalism is furthermore, well, it's dysfunctional. Look with me, if you will, at verses three and four. He shares this memorable anecdote. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye? but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own? In other words, what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, beware of having a judgmental spirit, for judgmental people tend to see sin in others and are blind to their own. It's using Jesus' analogy, it's you finding all these little things that are wrong with other people and totally unaware that you got a two-by-four sticking out of your eyes, so to speak. We see this memorably illustrated in the life of King David. If you recall, David, a man after God's own heart, did a wicked, wicked sin. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, married to Uriah. To cover his sin, he brought Bathsheba's husband home from the military front and, long story short, had the man killed to cover up his sin and to bring Bathsheba into his own home to make her his wife and to cover up the illicit pregnancy. Well, David was confronted by the prophet of the day, prophet Nathan. And Nathan came to David knowing that David was in sin. And David tells this little story, this fun anecdote in 2 Samuel 11. You should go turn there sometime and go read this narrative. Samuel tells a little story to King David and says, there's a man who has this little lamb and this little lamb was his precious, precious gift. And there was a much richer man who had a great flock of sheep. Well, this rich man brought in a traveler, a sojourner, and basically had the little man's lamb, the, the poor man's single lamb killed, even though he had such a great abundance to feed this traveler. And... King David rightly hears this story and is incensed. He's angry. He goes, this man should be punished. This man should pay. He who had so much took what was not his from someone who had so little. He should be repaid fourfold, David says. And the prophet Nathan, upon hearing David's anger, his righteous indignation, the prophet Nathan looks David square in the eye and says, David, you 
are the man. O king, you are the one who has committed this great evil. You have taken that which was not yours and you have now judged somebody else utterly unaware of the two by four sticking out of your own eye. Now, by God's grace, David, upon hearing the word of the Lord, he fell to his knees in confession. You go read Psalm 51 to see him cry out in confession and repentance to God. That is a grace case. It's a good illustration for us, though, to take a step back and remember that a judgmental spirit is one in which you are fixating on the sins of others and you're totally oblivious to your own sins. So, Jesus' injunction, his admonition to us is, judge not lest you be found in the ridiculous situation in which you are judging the speck in another man's eye and you got a big beam sticking out your own eye. Number two, judgmentalism, it's dysfunctional. And third and finally, I want you to see that number three, judgmentalism is lastly, it's self-deceptive. Because notice how he finishes this anecdote in verse 5. He says, verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now I want you to notice what he said here. Jesus did not say, you hypocrite, take the log out of your eye and ignore the speck in the other man's eye. He does not say, judge not, period. Jesus says, First, take the log out of your own eye and only then you will see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's contextualize this. Jesus is in essence saying that judgmentalism, it's self-deceptive. It, it makes you, it, it confuses you. It, it leads you to believe that you have nothing in your own eye and that it's everybody else's eyes that got junk in it. And he's saying, remember, you have a log in your own eye, take that log out, and then you will be able to see clearly enough to rightly and justly judge or make a critical judgment. Now, of course, when I use the word judge, I'm not saying sit judgmentally. To judge would be to make a judgment call, to call a sin a sin, but to do so with a humble, grace-filled disposition. And I think what would be helpful to us tonight is let's conclude our time by looking at a few ways we can see clearly, as verse 5 says. How can we actually judge carefully? How do we make judgment calls in such a way that doesn't violate the spirit of Matthew 7, 1 through 5. What I'd like to do is share with you some reminders, some ways to judge carefully that are not original to me. We say this most weeks. These lessons are largely based off an excellent small commentary called the Christ-Centered Exposition of the Sermon on the Mount. This particular volume was authored by Danny Aiken, and I depend heavily on some of his points that he makes in this particular lesson on Matthew 7, 1 through 5, because I just find them so helpful. He concludes the chapter with, I think he enumerated 10 different ways, reminders, or encouragements. I've consolidated it to eight. And what I'd like to do is, is quickly, briefly conclude our time this evening by giving you eight encouragements, eight reminders, eight ways 
you and I must judge carefully. In light of verse 5, it's eight ways we can see clearly enough to judge, to, to point out the speck in another. In other words, it's a way for us to critically analyze sin in this world. So if you're taking notes, mark these down. First off, number one, remember your heart. And Danny makes this point because our hearts are wicked. They're deceitful. We have questionable motives with everything. Just consider your motive with something as benign as a compliment. When you compliment somebody else, check your motive. Are you complimenting them with sincerity? Are you affirming them because you want to build them up? Or, and this is common, are you in essence flattering them? You're you're saying something nice to them only because you want something in return. You want them to either like you more, feel better about you, or you want some sort of quid pro quo. If I say this, then maybe they'll give me that. This is what I'm talking about, about wicked motives of the heart. When you are making a judgment call about somebody else, first, check your heart and say, Oh God, are my motives pure? Am I calling out this sin because I trust your righteousness? I want this brother or this sister to know sin to be sin. I want them to turn from this sin. I want them to glory in your grace. Or are you just in that moment feeling critical and you don't really like how that person's living and you want them to know that you're not that way? You need to check your heart. You you need to check your motives. One way you can check your motive is really to check your own walk. Are you walking with the Lord right now? Cry out in prayer to God and say, Oh God, am I repentant? Am I walking with you right now? Have, have I removed the log in my own eye that I might see clearly enough the speck in somebody else's eye? Or am I fooling myself? Number one, remember your heart. Secondly, remember to seek counsel. Now, there's a couple ways you can do this. One way, one way that's available to you 24-7 is seek the counsel of the Word. Are you a man or a woman of the Word? Do you have this book open? Are you seeking to ensure that whatever you are preparing to judge is in light of the Bible? It's with reference to God, Christ's righteousness. Or are you just kind of giving your opinion and it's going to come across awfully judgmental? You need to seek the counsel of the Word. And then also you ought to seek the counsel of godly, wise friends, whether that be your spouse or maybe some folks in your Sunday school class, maybe call one of your pastors just to seek some wise counsel and say, I'm struggling with this. I believe my loved one is in the wrong here. I want to correct. I want to admonish in such a way that honors Christ, that upholds the gospel and does not unnecessarily offend. Now, you know, judging, making a judgment call, standing up for truth will inevitably offend to one degree or another. But I want to do it in such a way where Christ is honored. You need to check, you need to check your own heart, your own motives, and to seek wise counsel. That's the second thing, number two. And number three, you ought to remember the golden rule. You, you know the famed golden rule. We're actually going to look at it next week. It's recorded in Matthew seven twelve, where it says, well, as you know, Do whatever uh, unto others as they would have them do unto you. Do unto other people as you'd have them do to yourself. It's simple. Children know this golden rule. You want people to be treated the way you want to be treated. And that's just a good, simple, ethical reminder from Christ. 
that when you come and you make a judgment call on somebody else, make sure you're coming with sufficient charity such that you would expect others to treat you similarly, to have the same measure of grace on you. That's number three. Remember the golden rule. Number four, I think it's wise to remember to go slow, to go slow. In other words, remember to just be slow to speak, quick to listen. Don't make a quick snap judgment. Oh man, it's so easy to, especially if you're a go-getter or you, you just kind of have a, you tend to be one of those people that has a pretty clear thought on anything and everything. Just go a little slower. Listen, get the facts. Don't make a snap judgment. Just listen, gather, ponder, pray, and then make a decision. Remember to take it a little slower. That's number four. Number five, I kind of alluded to this. Remember to pray first. One of the reasons praying is so important is not only does it fixate your own mind and heart on God's truth, Moreover, what praying is going to do is it's going to help you get a right perspective on the individual. It's hard to have a judgmental, critical spirit towards somebody who you're praying for. So just pray. Bring that name before the Lord and ask, God, would you help me? Lord, would you help me to think rightly about this individual? That's number five. And quickly, number six, remember that some areas, they're necessarily gray. (laughs) Here's what I mean by that. You, are you one of these folks, I, I can be a little like this, where things are just black and white, right and wrong. And there are many, 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 many things that are black and white. The Bible is in great detail black and white. There is right and wrong, justice and injustice, righteousness and unrighteousness. There are many black and white things. Truth is black and white. But there are some things that we could rightly describe as gray that we tend to want to color as black or white. So, for example, are you being critical of somebody over something that's genuinely gray? It's morally neutral. It's preference. It's culture. It's personality. Are you judging somebody else just because they're not really like you, but it's not a matter of sin? If that's true, then you ought to heed Jesus' warning, judge not lest somebody hold you to a similar standard. Just close your mouth for a minute and say, Lord, is this this just something that's gray? It's neutral. I ought not take offense to this. I ought not rebuke somebody for this. Lord, I need to just take a step back. Think about those things. There are many things that might just be sheer matters of personality and preference. That's number six. Remember that some areas are gray. And lastly, let's conclude our time this evening by remembering number seven, that you and I are not the judge, though we often want to feel like it. We are not their judge. There is a judge who we will all ultimately stand before one day. Our great God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who knows every hair in our head, every thought in our brain, He knows every part of us. And we will stand before Him naked, the Bible says, fully exposed. And if it's not for the blood of Jesus covering our nakedness, our sin, we will stand condemned, which is why we are a people of praise. It's why we are people who lift up the name of Jesus. It's why we are Christians, followers of Christ. For if it weren't for Christ, we would have no hope. 
And so it's a good reminder as you are tempted to judge another to remember that God is the judge. You're not. Leave it up to him. Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. Let him vindicate his name and take great comfort in the fact that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Would you join me now as we pray? Father in heaven, I praise you for your word and I ask that you would sharpen us, convict us, remind us, O God, that we must judge carefully lest we be found with a judgmental spirit that's detrimental, dysfunctional, and self-deceptive. So remind us, O God, to be slow to speak, to pray first, to remember that some things are gray, to remember that you alone are the judge. Oh God, I pray that you would help us remember to check our own heart and to get the counsel we desperately need. Do this, we pray, for the sake of the name of Jesus in our lives. Amen.